I think it's the promises of God that really, uh, really keep us going. You know, everything from the promise that we're, we're not wasting our time here in this world by investing in him and his kingdom. You know, that that these things we do as an ambassador is, is not a waste uh, down to, you know, the, the practical promises that uh, I hope to talk about in a little bit when starting in new places. Well, Wes, thank you so much for joining us on Into the Harvest. Your wife, Tina, uh, was on the show earlier this year, and she yeah. had a chance to uh, to talk with Abigail. So I figured we were due. We'd have a chance to uh, <laughs> sit down together uh, via Zoom and uh, and chat. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm really glad that Tina got the trailblaze for our family and uh, I'm super excited to have this conversation. Yeah, if folks don't know you guys, um, if they haven't listened to that particular episode um, or maybe they just don't know who Wes and Tina are, why don't we just start there? Uh, obviously, you and I go back 15 plus years, uh, so we know each other really well. But let me let me just give you a chance to introduce yourself um, and your family and maybe tell us a little bit about you could go into our history or just, you know, who you are. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I think that um, it all blends together because of our long history together about where we are now and, and why. But uh, it was 2007 when I started really following Jesus. Uh, and I think that uh, was literally the case when I moved out of my home in Alabama and made that couple thousand mile trip up to you uh, at Fort Lewis, Washington to watch how you modeled your life after Jesus and, and how you did ministry. And so that was that was my start of not just confessing Jesus was my king, but actually letting him run my life. Um, and so uh, that was where I met Tina as, as we were um, doing church there at, at Fort Lewis. Uh, I was also working at a, a coffee shop and she happened to work there, too. And, uh, you know, a lot of story in between. But uh, we got married in 2012, so about five years, no, 2010, sorry, about three years after I got there. Um, and then uh, really through some of the examples of the guys in the military ministry that we were around, um, it was very inspiring to, to want to follow Jesus in the army as well. And so in 2012, I commissioned into the army as an officer. Uh, and have really been trying to uh, be the light that Jesus calls us to be in uh, somewhat of a dark place in that culture and that place. So I, I agree with you about if you haven't listened to Tina's story, hers is much more interesting and fun yes. <laughs> than mine is. Um, but what a, what a great partner God's given me uh, in Tina to be on this journey uh, together. And as we talk about moving to new places. That is literally the theme of our lives together since we've been married. So um, yeah, glad God has blessed me with, with her. Yeah. And this idea of moving to new places and trusting God 
for new things is going to be one of the major themes that uh, you and I talk about today. But absolutely, if people have not heard the podcast episode that Abigail did with Tina earlier this year, for sure, hit pause, go back and listen to that one. Uh, it's There's probably obviously going to be some overlap because of uh, Wes and Tina's life, but it really is a different, uh, it's really a story of how God brought your wife through some some um, some really crazy physical difficulties and healed her. So it's a story about God's healing. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit of a different focus than what we're going to be talking about today, but super encouraging and and worth checking out if people have not. Uh, we'll put a, a link to it here in uh, if you're watching on YouTube that you can uh, you can click through. But you're right, we met back in 07. Well, we we might have met a little bit before that, but we really began to to get to know one another and partner in 2007, 15 years ago, which is crazy. Um. And that fits with what we're going to talk about today, because you were obviously moving from Alabama to Washington State, but our family had also just moved to the Fort Lewis, Washington area, uh, and we were starting from scratch with um, with a ministry there and really seeking to reach people with the good news of Jesus, make disciples. And during that time, the Lord really um, convicted our family more about intentionally being the church and living as the church. So that was a part of what was happening there. Our family was there from um, 2007 to 2012. So our lives definitely overlapped during that time. And like you said, now you've been in the army for the past 10 years. And of course, a big part of being in the military active duty is relocating from, from place to place. So you guys have done that. over the years. And a, a lot of times you've been a bit isolated in terms of being in places where you weren't necessarily around believers who who shared this focused vision of being ordinary believers in everyday places and representing Jesus and making disciples. So we definitely want to dive into some of what God's been teaching you over these past 10 years, especially. So where are you guys at right now? I, I, I presume that you can share a little bit about where you're at and how long you've been there. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you're talking to me in my basement here in Kansas. <laughs> this is like my study hall because I'm in school for the next uh, year. And so I, I spend a lot of time down here in this cave uh, reading. And it's a it's a great opportunity for us uh, here in Kansas to, to slow down a little bit and spend some good time as a family. Um, but before that, uh, you know, to, to list from front to back, we were in California before this, uh, not your California, right? You know, the <laughs> desert of California. Death right? Valley basically is where you guys have yeah. been for the last few years. Yes. Yes. True <laughs> to the name. And, uh, Alaska before that, like not the cities right on the coast of Alaska, but the dead center of Alaska, um, which was a great, great time. Uh, Arizona, right by the border of Mexico before that. Uh, And then we did a a second stint in Washington right after we had uh, moved to Georgia at the start of our career. So, you know, altogether I was put into 10 years, like you said, is what we've been in the army for. And we've done uh, 10 moves in six different states. So Mm -hmm. we are on the go. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have, of course, started your family um, during that time. So, I mean, 
life. And this is this is kind of true. We did a series a couple of years back on following Jesus in your 20s and in your 30s mm-hmm. and in your 40s and beyond. But you guys have definitely been learning that uh, that crazy season in your 20s and now into your 30s um, of starting a family, you know, obviously starting your career, moving geographically, uh, learning and growing in terms of responsibility, but also having a family. Um, you guys have uh, four kids. Um, and throughout all of that, the, the number one goal has been to seek first um, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to seek to be on mission, even though you're in the military. Um, I know you well enough to know that the, the real calling and mission of your life is to follow Jesus and to help other people follow him. So during all of those years, I mean, I, there's, there's a ton of lessons I'm sure you've been learning, but what are some of the highlights that, that sort of stand out to you in terms of what God's been teaching you about staying focused on seeking first the kingdom? Yeah, I, I think what you hit on of why we're actually here in the first place is, uh, is essential to that. Uh, you know, I had uh, not been looking at the army originally when I came out to Washington to start learning how to follow Jesus and, and kind of uh, learning that through you and your example. But I think that those years were so important to me to set the right foundation for why we were going to be in the army. You know, we, we wanted it to be a place where we were truly missionaries wearing a uniform rather than vice versa. Uh, so uh, I think that that start has helped us uh, at least focus why we're here and what we're doing. And truly, if it wasn't for that, uh, this is a lot of moving, a lot of uh, a lot of time spent in, in a profession that if I was not motivated by uh, being called by God to do this and to love soldiers, you know, um, it would be a lot harder to say mm. the least. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just did a series on a, a, a simple three-part framework for discipleship. And we, we've been talking about centering our lives on Jesus, the master, and then learning to live on message. And then the, the third piece was to be part of the mission. So master message mission. I think what you were saying about learning those fundamentals early on, even before you were married, um, a, a father of a young family, uh, an active duty officer, learning those basics. I, I do think it's so important if people have the chance um, to uh, to really build that foundation in your 20s, if at all possible. Of course, if you're not in your 20s, you know it's never too late to orient your life around those three things. Um, but I have had a chance to watch your life and, and, you know, something that we may do here in the next few weeks is there's a, there's a little devotion that I like to share about how identity leads to legacy. So who you understand yourself to be and what, what you understand your purpose in life to be, you know, it really is, um, a, uh, an anchor, I would say to, to keeping us on track and helping us continue to seek first the kingdom um, and his righteousness. But I've watched you guys from a distance um, over the years, and I've watched how you have kept the faith and kept that spark when I think it's so easy 
as, as you're going through the years to, to lose that and to get distracted or caught up in just the craziness of life. You know, Jesus told the parable of the four soils mm-hmm. and a lot of us get caught up in that third soil where yeah. the worries and the anxieties and just the craziness of life comes in and it, it chokes out this message and this calling that God has given us. So, you know, what, what are the things that you think have helped you other than getting that good foundation, you know, over the years as you've moved and, you know, been deployed, you know, what, what are some of the things that, that help you, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing? Yeah, I I think it's the promises of God that really, uh, really keep us going. You know, everything from the promise that we're, we're not wasting our time here in this world by investing in him and his kingdom. You know, that that these things we do as an ambassador is, is not a waste uh, down to, you know, the, the practical promises that uh, I hope to talk about in a little bit when starting in new places of God's still got a remnant out there. You know, there's still the, the 3000, you know, that God brought out to Elijah that that haven't bowed the knee down to this world. And so I think the promises of God and and keeping those central are the things that keep us from getting bored or complacent or frustrated as we're walking with Jesus. Uh, Because if those promises either weren't true Mm -hmm. or if we weren't actually actively pursuing uh, the fruits of those promises, you know, that, that would be where I'd be concerned about, um, you know, seeing the endurance not be there. And then the words of Jesus uh, ring more true to me as I continue to to grow up, get older, uh, when he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Mm -hmm. You know, what a, what a promise God gives us in that. And what a, uh, you know, real awakening moment to, to realize that, that, that means tomorrow too. That doesn't just mean I, I prayed a prayer once that means endurance Mm -hmm. to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Following Jesus for a lifetime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love that, you know, being rooted in the promises and how that, that keeps us encouraged, but it also keeps us on point. So it keeps us focused and uh, you're right. You know, Jesus, it it, it isn't, you know, some of my favorite promises. And then I would love to just throw it back to you and, and you shared a few of those already, but you know, what are some of the promises that you especially um, have clung to and, and that have uh, been an encouragement to you. One of them for me is that, you know, Jesus is calling us to join him in his work. Um, So he's not just sending us out to do his work, but he's actually in the harvest fields. He's at work in the world. He's at, he's at work in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in uh, our social groups. And, and he's inviting us to join him in that work. So Jesus, you know, one of the few things that he said for sure that he would be doing is building his church and he's doing that today. So he's inviting us to, to join him as he builds his church. Um, and I think that, um, I think that that's something that's definitely kept me encouraged that ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not having to create this work or I'm not having to, to come up with the work, but just discover what it is that Jesus is doing and then become a part of it. But um, how about for you? What what are some of the promises that you've you've been encouraged by over the years? 
Yeah, so I think uh, we we just talked about the promise of Abraham quite a bit during this mm -hmm. time that we spent together last weekend. Right. And one of the promises that God gave to Abraham, uh, he said, hey, wherever your feet land, like that land we will give to you or I will give to you. And I think that when we moved to different places, uh, specifically here in Kansas, we got in the habit of walking the neighborhoods of the people that we're going to be around and praying that uh, that God would give us uh, God, the promise that he gave to Abraham, which we know that we inherit since we have the same faith as Abraham does. You know, we're in Abraham's family and inheriting the promise just as much as Isaac did. Hmm. And so... Uh, you know, we're, we're praying for those promises and, and we're walking to, to ask the same things that uh, Abraham had been promised from God. And I think it's really exciting to see that it didn't stop with Abraham, you know, like Isaac and Jacob both got the promise directly from God again. And then we see in Deuteronomy, Moses gets the promise. And then in Joshua, Joshua gets the promise. <laughs> right. So it's not as though, uh, oh, that was written a long time ago for different people. Yeah, uh, like we, we learned from Paul, that's that's a promise mm -hmm. to you and me today. Right. And so uh, if I really believe that promise when I'm coming to a new place, uh, I'm going to get to walking and I'm going to pray that God gives us those things that he's promised. So I think that's another uh, big one. And then to not be discouraged is that promise of a remnant, uh, both um, mm. to Elisha and then Paul reminds us of it. Uh, I believe in, uh, in Romans, right. Romans 11, 11 I think it's 5. in Romans 11. Yeah. Yeah. He tells us, Hey, so too, at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And so, right. uh, if we truly believe that promise from God, that there is a remnant, uh, we're going to be looking for those people. We're going to be looking, right. uh, for those that are willing to, to follow yes. Jesus and, and people we can invest into disciple, and right. uh, become the Isaacs or the Timothys that God promised in our lives. Yeah. So if I could uh, sort of maybe restate this and try to package it, what I'm hearing you describe is really a, a, a spirit of expectation. Like as you mm -hmm. come into most recently Kansas, as you arrive, you're already alert and there's the expectation that God is going to be at work in this new place, that, that he's already been at work before you even arrived. Um, and then um, I don't know if I've got like some, some old Baptist DNA in me or something, but Abigail always makes fun of me because I, I try to think of like little ways of remembering that start with the same letter. And so I, as you've been talking, like, first of all, I think just knowing the purpose of God, knowing that there's something mm -hmm. that God is doing in the world that he wants us to be a part of. You know, we don't have to create something worthwhile to give our lives to, that God has a purpose, not just for our lives. It's actually a purpose that he's, he's working in the world, but he's calling us into that purpose. Um, and then secondly, there are promises that he's given that, relate to that purpose. And like you said, it goes all the way back into the, the old Testament to people like Abraham, mm -hmm. Isaac, and Jacob, so on. And so you've got God's purpose. You've got these promises that, that encourage us to seek the purpose. And then, like you said, you begin to pray 
And so as you guys come into a new area, walking those neighborhoods and praying and asking God to fulfill his promise. So we're already on a great start. If people are trying to think about, you know, where to start, if you're in a new area or you're going to be moving into a new area, or really if you've been in an area for a while and you just haven't really been on point and trusting God for what he wants Mm. to do, you know, these are, these are some things that I hope people can begin to hang on to know the purpose of God, know the promises that are related to that, that purpose. And then begin to pray. So are there some specific things that you guys have prayed as you've walked neighborhoods and, and come into a new area? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we, we normally have been doing this in the mornings. Uh, Dylan Banks, a great guy. He's been with me for most of these, uh, walks because he joined us in in California as well. And we got to move with him here to Kansas. And, and so Mm -hmm. we, we've put some miles on some shoes asking God, um, you know, for those neighborhoods, we're, we're asking for key folks from the neighborhoods uh, mm-hmm. and that the gospel would be uh, so prevalent uh, in the army and our culture and in their homes that uh, that each person on that installation would hear the gospel before they leave. So just mm-hmm. the, the wide spreading of seed is probably the, the first thing that we're asking for. And then uh, you know, we're asking for the Isaacs, those promised generations that God gave to Abraham, telling him, you know, hey, you'll you'll have the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore for descendants. And knowing that that's that's a promise to me, too, just like we were talking about earlier. It's not just the land uh, that he promised. It was generations. And so I'm asking that uh, in the fulfillment of partaking in the Great Commission that tells us to make disciples of all nations, that uh, I know God is going to do it. He's promised to do it. I'm asking mm-hmm. him to use me and the people in those neighborhoods uh, to do it through. So I think those are some of the the practical things that we're asking God for. Uh, right. And because we're asking him for those things, you know, we're, we're actively waiting, uh, waiting for him to fulfill that promise. And we wait by, by sharing the gospel with our neighbors, by, reaching out to our classmates or, or others that are in our profession, uh, et cetera. Yeah, no, that's great, man. I know. Um, all right. So I just can't help myself. The, the letters just keep coming. So you're, you're praying, <laughs> you're praying for a couple of things that stood out there. So yeah. first is just a proclamation, another P. Um, I can't help myself, Wes. So you're praying that the message would go out. And I know you and I had a chance to see each other this past weekend in North Carolina, of all places. So you're Mm. back in Kansas. I'm back in California. But we were just hanging out in North Carolina. And I know that you had shared during that time that you had been convicted and really purposely trying to um, let your identity as a follower of Jesus be known quickly you know, as you're in this new place in Kansas and, you know, you're always going to get a chance to introduce yourself because that's, that's just the way human nature, that's the way human societies work. You're meeting people, you're in a new place. And just to let it be known sooner, not later, that faith and following Jesus is, is a big part of your life. So, but also, like you said, praying that there's opportunities for sharing, um, the good news and for letting people know that this is an important part of your life. Um, is a, is a big part. And then just praying for people. And like you've said a few times already, the expectation that there are people around you in your neighborhood, in your workplace 
that God is already at work in their lives and that some of those people are going to respond um, as you begin to share and, and, and you're open with your faith. Uh, and, and, you know, what's cool about this is even Jesus, if you look at Jesus um, in John 17, when he described the disciples, you know, his closest followers, he described them as the men that the father had given him mm. out of the world. And so Jesus himself, our model, he, he recognized that these closest followers were not people that he had necessarily um, talked into seeking first the kingdom, that these were people that the father had prepared and, and given to him. So as you're praying, those, those two things are great, you know, praying that, that the word would be shared openly and then praying that, um, that these people that God is working in their lives would be ready and that the Lord would guide your, your path to, to cross, to cross paths with them. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, just like you said, it, it's, it's really encouraging when we know that Jesus told us to pray for laborers. We've been promised that there's a remnant. And so there will be those people. And we see it even in, you know, Paul's writings. It's not like he writes like, I went to this place and uh, nobody was interested. So it, it's <laughs> like, there's, there's a story to each and every place that he's going to, um, whether it's a great experience or not is, you know, mm. up, up for grabs, but uh, the people are there, you know, God's working yeah. in those people already. Like you said, I think that one of the things when we deliberately studied uh, how Jesus and how Paul made their entrances into towns, uh, we saw a principle that they went to the synagogues. Mm. Uh, that was a consistent thing that Jesus did seemingly until there was no room, you know, right. he couldn't go into town anymore. Yeah. And Paul, until they kicked him out or like threatened <laughs> to kill him. Um, <laughs> And I think that one of the, the principles that we took away from it was when we go into a new place, we look for people that are looking for God. Mm. Uh, sometimes that's at a church. Sometimes that's uh, any, any religious activities, Bible studies, things like that. Um, and, you know, God has given us a very specific vision, uh, like you referenced. We, we want to do home our church from our home because we mm -hmm. want people that wouldn't normally go to, uh, you know, a, a steeple um, mm -hmm. in order to find who God is. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that's where people that are looking for God sometimes go. Yeah. Uh, I, I think to, to put it in a different context, like Paul goes to the river uh, to find right. Lydia. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's because he knew that there were spiritual people looking for God there. Yes. So where is that place in our context? Um, it could be a chapel. It could be a river. Right. Uh, who knows? Uh, but what we do know is that's where we go first. We go to find people that are looking for God first to look for mm -hmm. those that we can invest into, uh, those that might be uh, Timothy to Paul or the promised son Isaac to Abraham. Right. Yeah. So the principle, the way that Paul says it several times in his writings is that um, first for the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And so it's a, and then G, well, not Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus in Acts 1, verse 8, very famous verse, you'll be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. There's this natural progression um, of the the growth of the faith, you know, starting in Jerusalem, which was, of course, the epicenter of the expectations for what God was going to do on the earth. You know, the temple was there. It was it was God's chosen city. Uh, and then moving out to Judea, Samaria, where the Jewish people were, but ultimately to the, to the ends of the earth. So, uh, yeah, our church is actually studying the book of Acts right now. And we were just in Acts 16 a few weeks back where mm-hmm. Paul enters um, the city of Philippi and there is no synagogue there. So, like you said, they go to the riverside because that was where it was it was supposed they they suspected that that's where the people who wanted to pray would go the god fearers um and sure enough they found a group of women there like you said lydia was one of those uh, but even in chapter 17 when paul went to the city of athens um you know he went to the marketplace and the synagogue wow. and so the synagogue of course is where you would for sure find the the jewish people who were familiar with abraham and moses and who would who would have an interest in a some knowledge of the messiah the promise but the marketplace that was just where people would go who might be interested in ideas mm-hmm. um but it was a place of opportunity basically and so i think what you're saying is is so true you know trying to identify mm-hmm. where are the places where you would be more likely to come into contact with people who would be receptive uh, to this message about Jesus. And so you don't, you don't really, you don't purposely start at the strip club, you know, Um, now you might find yourself in a really (laughs) uh, strange place, not a strip club, hopefully, but uh, a place that you would not purposely be going to share the message. And you may meet someone that God is working in their life. You know, that happens all the time. But you right. want to be thoughtful about where you're going to to try and connect with people. Um, and Jesus did this. You know, Jesus got his first couple of followers from John the Baptist's, you know, rallies and and mm-hmm. spiritual meetings out by the Jordan. Uh, so Jesus, again, Jesus modeled this principle of looking for people that would be interested in likely places. So we got another P word there, places. So think yeah, about I wrote places. that down. I was, I was like, well, <laughs> there's another pit. I know, man. Yeah. So, okay. But what about, um, what have been some of, I guess, I know that it's not always success. It's not always encouragement. Yeah. You know, you've literally been in some desert places and spiritually you've been in some, some of those places. Like I know your time in Arizona was, was um, a challenge. What have been some of the obstacles that you faced over time and um, how has the Lord taught you and helped you through those, those times and those obstacles? Yeah, I, uh, I don't disagree what you're saying, but let me clarify something that we, uh, I don't think success has ever been a question because uh, mm-hmm. we define success as obeying Jesus. And we have felt like we have obeyed Jesus as we've gone along. And so whether, you know, our living room's full or whether we're encouraged or discouraged, you know, I think I would encourage people that, that listen to this, like we have to define success as we are the ones enduring to the end and following the things that Jesus taught. So, uh, yeah, success, 
Now there were some discouraging times, right? Uh, there were some times where we were we were hitting our heads against the wall with um, the folks that we were around or whatever we were doing. Now we've got old enough kids that like we're always going to have somebody sitting in our living rooms uh, during church because it's going to be them. Uh, so <laughs> right. that's that's uh, nice. But um, to get back to your question of what what have kind of been like the obstacles in the way is what you yeah. said. Yeah. Or maybe even just like how, how, I mean, you've already shared a little bit, you know, in terms of, you know, properly defining uh, success based on faithfulness to Jesus and his call and not necessarily the results um, in a moment, even though, you know, God has promised us that as we follow him, he will use our lives. But there are definitely time stretches where it may not, it may not seem like that's happening. So yeah, what's carried you through those times? And like you said, you've already shared a little bit in terms of having the right expectations, but yeah, I guess more like sometimes even if you have the right expectations, you can still feel discouraged or you can feel alone. So what's helped you out during those times? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's why Jesus shared the, the four, I'm sorry, the parable of the sower. I got to get away from calling it the four soils because that's mm. not what Jesus calls it. Yeah. You know, he says it's, it's the parable. Let me tell you a parable about a sower that went to sow seed. And I think it's important because uh, I think he was giving us encouragement. He's like, Hey guys, like you're going to throw seed. Like, that's what I need you to do it's going to land on all these different places and you're going <laughs> right. to look like a really bad farmer. But, uh, I don't want you to care about that. You know, I want you to care about sowing seed because that's mm-hmm. who the parable is about. And so I think that, you know, those, those are the obstacles that we have at times, uh, when we're working outside of the traditional church or, you know, around, um, the people that we're working around is, is not necessarily having the same vision uh, and trying to cast that vision, trying to help them understand uh, the way that I see uh, God's promises and and what he's called us to being ever since Genesis 1 28, where he tells us to to bear fruit, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it being the exact same thing that he tells us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 saying, make disciples of all nations. And I'm with you to the end of the age. So he's always cared about multiplying his image from the mm. beginning till now. Now it's just spiritually. And I think that the, the obstacles that are most frustrating is when uh, it's hard to share that vision, when it's hard to, to bring people who um, mm. appreciate, uh, acknowledge, and want to pursue that vision with their lives. Because mm. I think that if, if we weren't about that vision and we were just about like, Hey, come, come learn something about God or, or come, right. you know, let's, let's just talk about how we can survive this life and, and how we can make our kids better kids and more obedient and right. how we can feel really good about ourselves. Um, you know, that's different. That's not calling right. people to the true promise of God. And so yeah. uh, the obstacle of people mm-hmm. that are, having that different vision and think that that's what following Jesus is. Yeah. I think is the hardest thing because you have to go. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I was about to say you have to go through a lot of people. That's not the way I want to say it. I want to say, um, 
Jesus fished through a lot of men to learn how to fish for men or to teach his guys how to fish for men. Not everybody ended up following him as he was fishing. And that's just part of what he was doing. Uh, I need to be like that. And I need to overcome the obstacles of feeling like um, I should be doing better or like uh, I'm not content with uh, the people that God has given me to invest into and disciple. Yeah. I mean, part of what I was hearing as you were sharing there is that one of the biggest obstacles and, and it can be a source of frustration and discouragement are other professing believers who are in, in a sense settling for Christian culture versus really wanting to follow Jesus uh, in radical discipleship and and seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and follow in his footsteps and, and build your whole life. Again, that's why we did the series that we just wrapped up on Master Message Mission, because if you really build your life around those three components, um, it looks much different than, than just cultural Christianity. Um, but, you know, I, I, I want to I want to maybe wrap up just by asking you about your family, your relationship with Tina, because ultimately uh, something that was said this past weekend when you and I were together uh, by someone else that we were hanging out with was that, um, and I never heard this before, but I thought it was a pretty fascinating uh, thought is that, you know, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. Mm. And this person was making the case that um, if you're married and your wife is, or husband is also following Jesus, that is your two by two, that that's your core unit. Um, you and your spouse following Jesus together, and you've been sent out, which I thought was, I don't know, I, I'd never thought of it before, but it made a lot of sense. So, and I've definitely seen that with you and Tina, obviously, wherever you guys have gone, you've gone together. So what are some ways that you guys have partnered and uh, I guess encouraged each other on, uh, on the journey that, that God has had, has you on? Yeah, I think that uh, it's the, it, it truly is the, the perseverance that we can have together when we make a deal and we say, uh, even if there's nobody around, we are going to do this together. Um, mm. I, I think that's probably been the most essential thing is because we you know, got married having this like vision of following Jesus uh, because we're committed to uh, the profession that we're in in the army and mm. all of its um, all the things that come along with that, uh, you know, I think in the end it, it equates to, we're not going to waste our time not doing the things that Jesus has called us to do and God has called us to do. And we can hold each other accountable to doing that. Uh, yeah. So that's been the, the most encouraging thing about doing it together uh, and all the lessons that we learned together. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not nearly as fun when you're doing this with, uh, you know, anyone other than your spouse, um, right. because they get to, to see everything, you know, we right. get to see all the, the different people that, that come through our home, through our lives, through our kids' lives. Yeah. And, uh, nobody else can have those same stories. Nobody else mm. is going to see day in and day out, what we yeah. get to see 
And uh, like a theme from this past weekend that we were together, it's it's the reminder, the reminding one another, the things that God has done, the things that God is going to do, that he's promised, that I think uh, is the most encouraging thing uh, from Tina and and from living together in fellowship uh, towards the kingdom of God. Yeah, when you have um, a spouse that's on board with you, I mean, it changes. It changes everything because even the crazy times, it's kind of like it's a war story. You know, you survive, <laughs> you survive that that rough patch, but right. you're you're in it together. And I I just want to encourage folks. Um, you know, my marriage, I, I I got married really young, and I didn't necessarily. My wife and I did not have uh, as solid a background in terms of following Jesus. And we really had to work that out over the course of the first few years of our marriage, which was a really difficult time. But so I just encourage people that even if you feel like um, you didn't necessarily start out that way, you know, pray and ask God to give you that shared heart, that shared vision to to seek him first together and to represent him together and to be on that journey together, because it's it is the greatest source, I think, of of encouragement over time is is to to have that kind of a marriage where you're following and serving Jesus together. Well, hey man, anything, any last things that you want to share before uh, we wrap up? Yeah, I think that uh, the thing that comes to mind for me is is we need to stop wasting time. Uh, often we get to the point of making excuses for ourselves about where we're going and and what we're doing, and we just need a little bit more time to do this or that. In the army, they often call it taking a knee, right? Like, hey, just mm. just get on one knee, you know, stop walking for a second. And I think that this is not talking about the principle of rest. Rest is something that God has, has given us and it's good. Uh, but it is talking about apathy, apathy and in not getting after the only reason why we're here in this world is to glorify God through loving people, through making disciples that are actually going to follow him and make disciples themselves. So let's not waste time. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, there's a, a verse in Philippians 1 where Paul, a very famous verse is that to me, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But um, in that same section, he goes on to say that, that he would rather depart and be with Christ. But if he was to live on in the flesh, uh, it was only because the Lord had fruitful labor for him to do. And so uh, that's, that's really what I hear you saying is that, Hey, if you're here, if you're drawing breath in this life, it's because the Lord has fruitful labor for you to do. And you get to enjoy a lot of the great, a lot of great things along the way. But the purpose of us being here is to follow Jesus, to be witnesses for him and to, to be part of that fruitful labor that he has for us. Well, hey, man, thanks, Wes. It's probably overdue, but uh, we made it happen, and I really enjoyed having you on. We'll have to do it again sometime in the future, and I hope people have have been encouraged and are walking away with some ideas about how they can get started trusting God for his work wherever they are. Yeah, thanks for what you do, Andrew. It's always encouraging to me when I throw my headphones in on a long run to listen to to you and uh, the wisdom that you've got along with the folks that you bring on, uh, especially Abigail. So thank you.